What is happening, y'all? What is happening? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Not Rocket Science, the show about the intersectional relationship of business, culture, and technology. We are still chugging along. Episode, I don't even know. It's somewhere in the late 60s, 68, 69. We're approaching episode 70. That's all I know. Hope you guys are doing well. It is... uh a sunny, comfortable day here in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, it is birthday week. It is birthday week. My birthday is manana. I'm doing this on Sunday, so tomorrow. Um, not that exciting. When you get older, birthdays just really don't have that magic anymore <laughs> at all. I feel like they get less and less significant and, uh, yeah, these days I just really don't want to do anything. I don't want to bring any attention to myself. I, I, it is what it is. You're a little more old. You're older. Gonna happen. Part of living. It is what it is. That's kind of my take these days. So, uh, yeah, not really a big deal for me, but it is what it is. Also, when you get older, it's crazy how much faster your birthdays tend to come up. Um, not really digging that so much. Kind of cruel because you kind of want the opposite to happen the older you get. But uh, I guess it just taps into that thing where you always want you always want what you don't have. So I guess when you're older, you want slower years, and the years happen to be faster, or at least feel that way. Um, so yeah, birthday week things are going pretty well over here. Um, talked about it last episode a lot but uh yeah still chugging away on the old duolingo learning that spanish one thing from a uh i guess product standpoint when it comes to duolingo that since i'm spending some real hours on it i'm logging some real time these days on that thing like too much like too much they're getting me with their stupid gamification stuff you do get in this habit of getting ultra competitive and tapping into your competitive instincts when you have your league that you look at so for those of you who never tried duolingo the way it works is you learn your language there's different levels new levels you can unlock etc but also there's uh leagues you're in it's kind of like the english premier league for soccer where um you have the premier league but then you have the lower leagues and you have to continue to perform well to stay or in the Premier League, or if you're in a lower level, you have to perform well to get into the Premier League. Um, Duolingo takes that kind of model, and every, I think, week, uh, you you accumulate points in the league you're in. There's about, like, 50 people. I think the top 15 get promoted to the next league, so you got to um, use the app and do a lot of levels to 
get enough points to stay in your league. I mean, to move up to the next league. And then there's the middle tier, which just stays in their current league. And then there's the lower tier that gets demoted, like the bottom 15. And there's bronze, silver, gold, which is what I'm in now. And then there's two more. I don't really know what they are. Um, I also don't know. There's only five levels, but, like, I'm nowhere near complete with Duolingo. I'm still on level one in terms of, like, the overall journey. Um, So, yeah, I don't know how that works. We'll run into it in a couple weeks, I guess, but... Yeah, like I'm there's one guy ahead of me. This guy obviously is probably unemployed cuz he's way ahead of everybody and he like to get the amount of points he has, there's no way you can work a full-time job cuz I'm in second place and I've been spending way too much time on that thing. Like on my lunch break at work, I'm doing it. Like it's it's just it's it's definitely over consuming um my time right now i gotta probably dial back a bit but i'm probably also going to get bored of it and dial back so i kind of want to keep myself engaged so when i do dial back it's not like a full stop the way i have been with other things in the past so i want to keep this consistent on some level just i'm in this bubble right now and i'm going a little too hard in the paint but um yeah what i was getting to my original point was that I really don't like the over gamification side of Duolingo because it's taking away from the learning side. Like what I've realized is I rush through levels and don't absorb everything sometimes because um, I'm trying to just get more achievements, get more points rather than actually do what the app is intended to do, which is learn the language. The other thing that doesn't help is how repetitive the content is. Like every question seems to get recycled over and over again no matter how many times you answer correctly so that side of things I'm not too big of a fan of um and I think that makes me in part rush through the content of each uh each round of questions um as quick as possible because I'm just trying to make progress and get my points get my, my get my level uh increased or upgraded I should say each week and yeah it's oh i think they overdid it on the gamification side of things so what i'm trying to do to supplement duolingo is i'm reading um the news now in bbc mundo which is like the bbc's spanish uh website for news and then i'm just watching certain youtube videos in spanish or i'm turning on english videos with spanish subtitle uh turning on the spanish subtitle so i'm trying to do more of like an immersion digitally at least and when i feel like my basic sentence structure is better i'll I'll try to talk and use one of those apps where you can talk to someone anyway not to get into my whole like language learning quest but i want to bring up uh the point of duolingo over gamifying um over gamifying their platform a bit because in product design um and product management and in tech in general, like gamification is one of those themes that always comes up over and over again. We have to gamify. We have to make this more fun. But like, to me, I feel like companies utilize gamification more so for their own interest than like the user interest. Because to me, gamifying your app by introducing points, badges, things you can unlock by accumulating more points and badges, levels, etc. 
like that's cool and all but the content has to be really good for that to work and i feel like companies tend to slack a bit on the content and go all in on this gamification like duolingo and you get this thing where you're just trying to blow past the content for the gamification and it creates this kind of unbalance that doesn't really uh benefit the end user or the end customer as much as the app really should um so that's kind of my gripe with gamification overall when it comes to gamifying your app your 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 SaaS product whatever it is um the content has to be good enough to support the game because it's kind of like a crappy video game right all video games are gamified but um if you have a really crappy video game all the levels all the points everything doesn't really matter um and then if you look at games like those like phone game i don't even play any of those things but the phone games with the jewels or whatever those tend to just be terrible and those are designed fully to just hook you but the game itself isn't that compelling like that's to the nth degree example of like when gamification goes bad because i sit on the subway every day and you know sometimes some people sit right next to you scrunched up and you like or look at them like why are you in my space bro and then they're on their phone so you obviously see the screen with your peripheral vision and you realize they're playing that candy crush or whatever nonsense it is and like i get it it might be fun look i had a game boy when i was little but those games are in no way more fun than a Red Dead Redemption or something like that. Like a true gaming experience that's immersive that took 10 years to make. What these games do is they're just trying to like psychologically hook you into playing their thing because of what you're unlocking. And like the sound, all these games that rely on this stuff, including Duolingo, rely heavily on uh, sound effects and, and uh, audio branding that is lifted from the uh the gambling industry so if you like play duolingo whenever you get a question right it does that like ding sound that kind of like bell sound but that sound is obviously lifted from slot machines like i was in vegas a couple months ago and i recall the same kind of sound um and it's something you hear in like sega genesis games like i remember like sonic used that kind of thing heavy but basically, it's all derived from game the gaming industry for gambling. They spend a ton of money on R&D to figure out which sounds are the most appealing to keep people hooked onto it. And then those sounds get lifted by the video game industry and now by the tech industry. Um, so yeah, it's this, it's this pretty interesting pattern. But for me, it's like if you want to gamify something, you have to pay extra attention on the content even more so than the design i do product design and like to me don't give as much of a shit about the product design give a shit about the content content is what matters with gamified um applications games etc the content sucks that content could be the actual gameplay itself in a video game it could be in duolingo's case diversifying the sentences in each round you play so you're not repeating the same thing over and over again and having it feel redundant to the user um that's what matters and that's where the focus should be and i think that's where a lot of these smaller phone-based educational games are lacking um so yeah that is the update on i guess duolingo but also like my understanding when it comes to learning a new language how much you have to immerse yourself outside of one application you got to watch video you got to read news you got to 
get as much content in front of you in that other language as possible to really have any like to really understand the language the ins and outs where people take shortcuts where they don't how you can interchangeably switch your uh wording in terms of the order of words in a sentence etc things like that slang idioms what have you um moving on though the thing i want to talk about is dealing with uh rejection this week and also just knowing what you want in life because like i had an interesting thing this week i had a recruiter hit me up about a company um about whether or not you want to you know if i want to switch my jobs to interview for this other company and with me back in the day when i was kind of new to ux product design you know i would take anything I could get really and I would say yes to everything I think it's standard across the board as a younger professional when it comes to opportunities and doors you always say yes 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 trying to get into as many doors as possible trying as many experiences as possible whether it's jobs internships whatever just trying shit out in your 20s when you're young but um as you get older through your 20s you kind of need to have some self-awareness and realize like try to like pick a path right like that's kind of what i try to do at least is try to like figure out it's not even so much figuring out what you want to do because sometimes that's even hard even in your later 20s that gets hard but i think what's a little bit easier is figuring out what you don't want to do and then your ultimate career path is kind of dictated by process of elimination i think That's probably an easier approach, at least for me it has been. Um, I mean, there might be some people, you know, wanting to be that systems architecture engineer since the get. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure those people are out there and, you know, much props to them. But for me, it's tough, you know. I want to be the next Pharrell. So when that dream gets shot down, it's like, all right, now what? So, yeah, for me, it's like figuring out career path ultimately where I want to wind up it's more figuring out what I don't want to do or what I don't want to be um so anyway that being said I got this opportunity this week or a few weeks ago at this point to uh submit an application to the startup they or they have a product that I've used before I kind of like not in love with it not really like my dream necessarily but it was a cool startup I was like sure why not so I submit, and then recruiter comes back to me, and they're like, they want to interview you, you know, do like a Google Hangout interview. And I'm like, okay, cool. I have to um, basically make time to do this thing on top of working a full schedule. And I'm like, all right, I'll figure it out. So I decided to take it in the morning. I got into work a little bit late, but I took it earlier in the morning um did the interview it seemed fine i didn't think i did that well personally uh just something about it seemed like i wasn't really clicking with this with this dude who was the main director who was interviewing me he seemed like a nice guy and like we had a nice back and forth but i don't know it seemed those google hangout sessions as interviews they're inherently weird like because you have all these layers in the way between actually communicating and connecting with the other person right so if you're working on a project it's not a big of a deal because those are people that you're working with you see 
or communicate with daily so you build a rapport that way anyway but with somebody who's a who's a total stranger it's a little weird um it's hard to break the ice because of like lags and things like that and it's hard to know as far as turn taking who to speak for like when to speak things like that but anyway i thought the interview went kind of meh um but the feedback i got was good so then they wanted me to come in for a portfolio review and i was like all right i guess sure it's kind of standard in design jobs no big deal i have my portfolio as an internet site so the thought was like just bring up a couple case studies go through them whatever bang it out it's all good um so yeah what happened was a couple things one I didn't. I spent time prepping by uh, improving one of my one of the case studies. I didn't think the one I was improving, I was even really going to bring up too much. But I figured, just in case, if it decided to go long or they wanted to see more work or whatever, I'd have this other case study in the back of my pocket that I could bust out. Um, I really, when I read over it again, I didn't really like the state it was in i want to make some changes so i spent time on that i spent time on you know looking at these case studies and overviewing what the key um the key takeaways of the project life cycle were etc um but yeah i mean it's pretty standard like i'm working a full-time job i'm not i don't hate my current job it's just the uh commute time is a little bit crazy but the actual day-to-day i don't hate um so i wasn't like going all in on prepping for this interview the way I would if I had no job right now and it was more of like a desperate time. Um, but I still prepped, you know, I put in some hours. So then it's the day of the interview. I go in, of course they take you around the office, you know, it's a typical startup office, very nice, very cool design. Um, a little small, everyone's kind of open and on top of each other. I don't really like that, that open desk, standing open desk kind of, uh, layout has been proven to be ineffective. There's been experiments with that. And the problem is, is the current way these open area working environments are set up. It's kind of like a bastardization of the original idea in the thirties. That concept was, I think it was introduced by maybe Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, some extremely famous architect founded the idea, but um, everyone still is meant to have their own workspace. There's supposed, be, there's supposed to be more room between people and between desk areas. And it was a very, uh, the original concept was very um, in-depth, well-thought-out, well-architected. I don't remember it. I looked at this like three years ago, so I should probably have uh, not brought it up because I, I, I'm not even half-assing this one. I'm like quarter-assing my knowledge on this. I really don't remember the uh, the exact details. But if you go to YouTube and you Google, uh, not Google. What am I saying? If you YouTube search "open offices are overrated," there's a really good video by Vox Media on the history of the open office layout. Um, and why the current version kind of sucks. And every startup kind of has this. And I noticed it at this place. And I was like, mm, all right. Uh, copycat syndrome in full effect. That's all good. But Office was really nice. Um, of course, they sell you on the snacks and the, you know, hashtag work perks and all that other shit that I even told 
the internal recruiter there like i don't really care about um but yeah it was a nice office but then all right so then i go in the interview and it is it was probably the worst interview i've ever been on period um i take full responsibility for it but also like on the other side of things there wasn't really any like communication about what they were trying to get out of the interview the uh format of the interview it was kind of just like hi i'm this person hi i'm that person i came here 10 months ago i worked here before silence awkward silence and it was kind of like go it was a lot like auditioning for american idol which is kind of weird um it just felt very awkward the energy just seemed off and then when i got into my project what I realized really quickly was what they were looking for was really just not in my case studies at all. They were looking for like heavy user research that informed the conception of a product um, as far as bringing an idea or vision to life and like which details about the research uh, formulated what the actual concept of the product is going to be. Whereas in my case studies, what I tend to focus on is implementing a new feature that we want to do because our competitors are doing it and then using user research to figure out like what it should be and why it should be from a usability standpoint. Um, that's it. And, I, you know, I, we just try ideas out, user test them, get feedback on what works and what doesn't work, have an idea of our technical constraints and try to f- create a project that works for us and that's it that's all i do um i've never done this like from scratch taking this blurry vision and bringing it to life through validated research and the other thing i didn't do was like my case studies because i try to keep them on the shorter side i don't have like full ui user flows which is what they were looking for so that we they can you know pick apart all the design decisions and blah 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 blah. i didn't do that but i probably should have so yeah the whole thing was kind of a disaster but it's fine it's all good um and then i was just thinking like why did that go so badly and what i came to realize is a um you know there was just i think even if i prepared really well there would have been some uh some areas for improvement even if i really prepared just the nature of how things worked out but i think what it really boils down to is like I need to really be better at figuring out what I want versus what I don't want at this point in the game and not taking something on as like, yeah, sure, let's do it, see what happens, and then half-assing the prep. Um, That is not a good way to go about maneuvering in your career. So for me, like the lesson learned was A, get these case studies even more airtight you know, spend some more time digging through the old archives I have on my G drive of old projects and, you know, figuring out a clearer thesis statement, clearer support of how things get, you know, from point A to point B to point C and, uh, you know, focus on just improving that and then being really pragmatic and self-aware about what I want to do realistically, why I want to do it. And, you know, be more, be more selective about, companies i'm willing to interview with and go all in on the interview process with um based on what i want to do 
So yeah, I don't want to pretend this is some lesson because this is like, this is me screwing up on my end of things in a lot of ways. So yeah, I shouldn't be the point of authority here, but I think it's good to, um, you know, try stuff out and have that kind of like open funnel mentality when you're coming up in your career out of college, figuring out your way, blah, blah, blah. Just try, like Gary V, for example, his whole new thing is like just taste stuff, taste stuff. Sure, you could you can phrase it that way. That's That's totally fine. I'm just saying try shit out. See what sticks, see what doesn't. But be self-aware where as you get older, once you're 26, you know, you have like a real salary, an apartment. You still might be single, playing the dating game, spending way too much money on Seamless and and, uh, Midtown bars and shit like that or whatever. You know, the financial responsibility stuff will come later. That's all good. But at the very least, at the very least, start thinking about what you want to do long term. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to stay in the field you're in? Do you want to switch it up and figure out how to elevate your skill set so you can jump to a different industry? All that stuff. Quit it all and become entrepreneur startup bro. Whatever. Whatever it may be, though, just think about what it is you want. And if you can't do that, again, what it is you don't want. And by process of elimination, figuring out what you do want. And then map out how to get there. Because I've done a poor job of that till recently. I realize with me, like, at this point in the game, I'm staying in product design. I am limiting my industries to media and e-commerce. And that is it. I don't want to do anything else other than e-commerce or digital media and, like, marketing um, types of uh, products. That's it. That's all I want to work on. Because that's what I know. That's what I've spent most of my time doing. And it's what I find interesting because it directly relates to, um, you know, profits earned, profits not earned. You can just tie it to money easier. And, like, in product design, there's this loose field where it almost feels like product design is looked at as this, like, within the product community as this like academic pursuit in a way. And I just don't like that. I don't like, you know, you could do all the right things, do all the right research, you know, figure out, dive into like the psychological components of somebody using the product at this point in time. You could do um, even anthropological research. You could do market research, whatever it is, and come up with this perfect product that is totally validated. But like if it, doesn't do from a business standpoint what it's supposed to do and even if you do all the right things on the design side but pick the wrong kpis and take too long to pivot to the right ones it doesn't matter the things you know you got to take the l um the way i took the l in that interview so that's why i like e-commerce where it's like it's very easy to see whether what you did is successful or not successful and you, you know on the flip side someone can argue um, the actual study itself is, you know, being shallow or whatever. But it's like, look, man, the only reason product design is a job, the only reason any of us have salaries is because this, there's a known understanding that this can help the bottom line. So, like, to think you're doing something above, you know, trying to acquire dollars and, like, what you're doing is more, like, noble and having this, like, high and mighty attitude towards it, it's like, dude, you're not being honest with yourself 
if you care about the nobility of your work, go work at a university or work for a nonprofit. That's how I look at it. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's just me. When it comes to how I get kind of annoyed by the over-philosophical and ideologically rooted logic sometimes of the design community and how they feel about things. To me, I'm all about just pragmatism and, like, what's real, what's tangible. Not so much, like, the emotional side of it. But that's just me. Um, So, yeah. That is just me, but I digress. Um... But the point of this is to figure out you and don't just say yes to everything that comes your way and then half-ass it as a result of not being really fully invested in it and then coming across as a dumb-dumb in an interview because of, you know, not investing everything into something. Um, You know, we're not former star athletes trying to figure out business with all this money after the fact and, like, you can get away with not really knowing the nuts and bolts of the business or the discipline that you're claiming expertise in because you have all this leverage with your name and all this money from your playing career, etc. Um, yeah, you got to know what you're talking about, know your shit. And uh, yeah, it was a lesson learned this week, man. Taking, I'm taking this L like a champ. And I'm looking at it more as a learning experience than an L because I thought about it like even if I aced that interview... I really don't know if I would uh, have taken that job. The commute was way better for me. Um, so from that standpoint, it was good. But I really, I don't know. I just didn't see it as a fit. Like, I really didn't. So in a way, it's, to me, it's kind of like a blessing that I that I messed that one up. But uh, still, I think there's there's a lesson to be learned with these types of things in life. And um, I try to do my best to kind of just look at everything objectively and figure out where I have to get better, even if it's something where the net outcome is a positive for me. Maybe I dodged a bullet. Maybe I didn't dodge a bullet. I don't know. But it definitely was an exercise in making me understand what I want and what I like and what I want to work hard on achieving and uh, not spending extra time on the miscellaneous stuff that I don't really care about as much but you know in the negotiation game I'm willing to jump into and explore because of a better commute or a nice office or you know all these startup perks or a bigger salary or whatever like that stuff is fine but chasing money you know chasing nice offices etc doesn't make much sense and you know commute is a real thing and I still would like a better commute but but to me I think what I've kind of learned is there other things have to line up than just that there has to be some other component that makes sense to go all in when pursuing than just just a commute um so yeah I just wanted to bring that up I didn't really have any like crazy academic based topic this week I just wanted to talk about an experience that I had also talk about Duolingo um that's about it it's just learn to be self-aware as you get older with what you don't want to do um and maybe that'll help you figure out what you do want to do so yeah if you guys have any questions about any of this stuff want me to give the deets um on a more granular level hit us up at not rocket science show at gmail.com or on twitter or ig at nrs underscore show we will get back to you for sure 
And uh, yeah, hope you guys have a good one. And until next time, thank you for listening. And peace.